what we do here is go back, 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 back. And welcome into episode 21 of the Two and a Half Marks podcast. My name is David Stabman, and I'm joined, as always, by my good friends, Angelo and Glisa and Jake Long, as we rewatch, relive, and remember a different wrestling pay-per-view every single week. And this week is uh, part two of our special two-part episode, looking back at All In from 2018. We went through the first few matches of the show last week and kind of some of the context and history surrounding this show's existence. And we got the last five matches, some great matches, some awesome stuff in the last half of the show. Really been looking forward to talking about this one. What is going on, boys? Not much. Uh, watched a little bit of AEW, which, uh, again, this is kind of like the pay-per-view that kicks off AEW. And it's just, I really have to credit this event for getting me really back into being a huge wrestling fan, being a huge mark, because AEW just week after week constantly does stuff that makes me interested, that makes me want to read about it, that makes me, you know, regret missing episodes, whereas Raw has been the same episode for the past eight weeks. It's been the same thing over and over again, and I'll, I'll just go ahead and say it. All In 2018 is probably the best pay-per-view we've watched uh, out of the 20-some-odd pay-per-views we've currently discussed. Ooh, I think that's a hot take. I, I think top to bottom, there's just like every match, there's a story to it. There's a reason for it. There's nothing that feels like filler. And again, I think a lot of it has to do with the crowd being so hot for every match. There's never really a moment where the crowd doesn't pop for something. Like, I guess the lowest pop would maybe have been the the first match we're going to discuss. But there's a lot of like big spots in that match that get, you know, a crowd reaction. So... I, I'm confident. I, I feel comfortable saying this is the best one we've seen. Uh, before we get into this pay-per-view, I just want to take a moment to address that we are currently living in the year of Toriyano. Yes. Uh, my man is 3-0 and in the G1. Just he's never, the evil. He's like, never going to lose. He's never going to lose I, ever. I really want Yano to win the G1. Like I've been follow, like I've just seen what the results are. I looked at it today. And I saw, <laughs> wait, Yano got six points? Gato, book this shit. Yano is undefeated. He's beaten two former IWGP heavyweight champions. He beat Sonata by tying him to a young boy on the outside of the ring, <laughs> not letting him get back in. He's, this is, I, I have been saying it for years. One of these years, Yano's going to go on the run. And the we're going to remember it for the rest of our lives. And it's happening. This you know, I don't think that can save just, we are, we are witnessing right now the absolute dissolution of civil society in this country. America is ending right now. And the only thing <laughs> that can rescue this dog shit year is Toru Yano winning the G1. And really, this is the only, he's the only person who could win the G1 in a year like this. I'm, and like, you know what? Speaking in all honesty, I don't need him to win it. I just need a meaningful Toru Yano match, like at the end of the G1. Like I wanted to come down to the like to the last day, and his match matters. Can Yano and Na uh, Naito be undefeated when they face each other in the last match, and then just like have Yano go over Naito? Wait, is that is that the, is that legit who he fights in the that's final? The, that's who, they're in the same block. 
I wonder what. Let me see what. I don't know if there's. Yeah, we like need a, to. We need to look up the. Uh, what is the, what is the schedule of the G one this year? I have that no is, idea. That is the real. That, that is the. Real. I, I need them both to be undefeated and then Yano to go over. Uh, I need to. I need to now. I need to now do some research here. Let me. Well, find well, well, while you're doing that, Jake, did you listen to the new MGK album? Angelo, we talk about good things on this show. You, so, <laughs> it's so, exactly. so while we're talking, so, okay. So Naito and Naito and Yano both the the only two undefeated guys in in their block right now. Uh, who uh, they they can't go into the final nights both undefeated. Ooh, uh, Naito's facing Kenta on the last night. The Naito Yano match is actually happening on the second to last night of the block. That, that that match be, might matter. That that could be a very that could be an important match, boys. Who, I don't know. Who are the one lo- who are the one loss guys in that block? The one loss guys in the block? Uh looks likely like Juice, one of that- Juice Robinson and Kenta, it looks like. So likely Kenta's probably gonna make a run here. Yeah, it's gonna be Kenta Naito's gonna be like. That's what it's looking like right now. As we record this on Wednesday, September thirtieth. It's about so, to get spooky, boys. This is some spooky stuff, dude. I love the G1. This is awesome. <laughs> this is so sweet. We're not talking about the G1, though. We're talking about All In 2018. There there are, you know what, a couple guys in this G1 on All In 2018 that yeah. we are going to talk about on this half of the show. So let's kick it off, guys. Let's, let's remember some guys, shall we? Let's do, do it. it. All right, so we pick up where we left off. Last match we talked about was the terrific NWA World Heavyweight Championship match between Nick Aldis and Cody, and we start off with a Chicago street fight between Joey Janela and Hangman Adam Page. Now, this was happening after the... I, I, I forgot about the storyline, but it was a big deal on being the elite at this point in time. The Hangman Page murdering Joey Ryan storyline, which was <laughs> really deep, really, really deep stuff. Um, just the mythology going into it was was very layered. It was like almost like Twin Peaks almost. Um, just some real psychological horror going on. Pretty crazy. So we've got Joey Janela, uh, wrestling's beautiful trash panda himself. Uh, Jake, I know you're. Uh, I know uh, you're a big Joey Janela guy. You talk about a guy that I love. I'll, I'll talk about it later. You just go into the match. So, Joey Janela is Jake's favorite person from New Jersey. <laughs> yes. So we got Joey Janela. It's you know he's accompanied by his girlfriend at the time, Penelope Ford. Which, in retrospect, really weird seeing him with Penelope Ford. Uh, but he's out there, and Hangman Page, of course, before he really broke out as one of the major stars of AEW and became like one of the most popular, beloved and relatable wrestling characters of the last decade. Um, just weird going back and seeing hangman here, knowing how much bigger he got the next couple years, but it's a Chicago street fight. Joey Janelle is in it. So, you know that you're going to get some just absolute wild shit in this match. Um, and yeah, within the first minute, of the match, Paige is hitting an Orihara moonsault off of the <laughs> ring post to the outside. So, you know, it, it it tracks with what you expect. Things really kick into gear a couple minutes in when Paige uh, walks to the outside, takes off a, a curtain over an object that's sitting at ringside and reveals a literal cracker barrel. <laughs> it is just a, it's a real wooden barrel that is sponsored by Cracker Barrel. 
and it is it is the Cracker Barrel. You get huge Cracker Barrel chants from the crowd, of course. Um, Joey then Irish whips him into the barrel, does a flip dive off of the barrel into the crowd onto Paige, and then rolls the barrel at Paige, but then Paige like jumps over it like Super Mario. Um, Paige then comes back, hits a buckshot lariat over the guardrail. Joey hits a, just a bunch of spots in this match because you know these guys are going to do a lot of stuff. Joey hits a Death Valley driver into the turnbuckle. Paige hits a burning hammer onto a ladder, which was crazy. Um, Hangman, apparently, you know, he murdered Joey Ryan. He wants to murder another Joey. So he gets a trash bag out. And you're kind of left to assume, like, oh, he's just going to, like, strangle him, like, suffocate him with the trash bag. But as he does this, Penelope Ford gets involved. She does a bunch of cool flips. She hits... Paige with a stunner. She hits a crossbody to the outside. She then puts Paige onto a table on the outside. Joey jumps off the top rope and hits an elbow drop through the table. Joey runs all the way up and down the entrance ramp and he clotheslines Hangman Page. At one point, Don Callis, who's on commentary, accidentally calls Penelope Penelope Ford Penelope Cruz, which <laughs> would have been very interesting if she was involved in this match. Finally, uh, Paige power bombs him off the ramp through a table, which could have gone bad because he had two tables set up and he completely missed the first table. Like he just went through one table. And so I had to rewatch it because I was afraid that like, you know, he might've like completely just crushed his he head on Dudley the other him. table. Yeah. <laughs> he almost entirely spiked Dudley him, but he ended up being okay. Uh, we keep going. Paige hits the buckshot lariat. He then hits his old finisher, the Rite of Passage, which he doesn't do anymore, which I really always liked that move. I thought it was a sweet move. Goes for the pin. Penelope breaks it up. She brings in another garbage bag, which, again, you really had to follow this storyline of being the elite to entirely know what was going on here. But she contain she, she drops the garbage bag, it empties its contents in the ring, and they contain Paige's cowboy boots, which have been psychologically tormenting him and speaking to him on being the elite. And Paige is like shocked at this, at this revelation that she's gotten the boots that he tried to get rid of. Uh, Penelope tries to like pick one up. And so Paige just super kicks the hell out of her. He then super, and then Joey Janelle comes in, super kicks Paige for kicking his girlfriend in the face, gets a two count. Paige then opens the other uh, garbage bag reveals the uh, old school like cord telephone that he used to beat Joey Ryan to death with. He then beats Joey, Joey Janela senseless with it. Then crazy spot. He hits the rite of passage off a ladder through a table, gets the pin 20 minutes and eight seconds, but that's not all we got this whole thing. What, what happens after the match is genuinely one of the most insane things I have ever seen in pro wrestling in my entire life. So the lights go out and, you know, Joey Ryan, his whole gimmick was he had a penis. That was his gimmick was his dick. Um, you know, in retrospect, it's not as funny as it was two years ago, considering some of the things that have been since alleged about Joey Ryan and uh, things that went on there that we don't need to get into, but his gimmick was his dick and people loved it in 2018. So the lights go out and a bunch of like, penis druids i suppose are the, the only way to describe them they like all these dudes dressed up as penises arrive and walk out to the ring 
And then Joey Ryan shows up. Hangman is stunned because he murdered Joey Ryan. The crowd's going crazy for Joey Ryan. And I got to give, you know, the announcers do an incredible job. The announcers make me laugh my ass off the entire time. Um, Excalibur uses the term, quote, phalanx of phalluses. (laughs) (laughs) Ian Riccoboni uses the term conclave of coxmen, also tremendous. (laughs) And uh, the hardest that I laughed the entire show, Ian is wondering... Like perhaps Joey Ryan's still dead. Maybe this is some sort of like interdimensional Joe, uh, like inter- interdimensional projection of Joey Ryan. So he asked Don Callis, "Do you know anything about the Great Beyond?" And Don Callis responds, "Well, I'm an expert in penises, but I know nothing <laughs> about the Great Beyond. I was dying the whole time." Joey does his, uh, as Excalibur calls them, his dark penile arts on Hangman. He does the dick flip. He does the penis lollipop thing that he used to do. Kicks him in the face, and then he. Rolls Hangman, who is dead, to the penis druids. The penis druids carry him off backstage, and the fans all chant, rest in penis. And uh, it was genuinely the most insane thing I have ever seen in the history of wrestling. It's a real shame that Joey Janela is such a piece of shit. Joey Ryan. Joey Janela is cool. My bad. Joey Janela, I apologize. I Let's love not accuse Joey Janela of ever having done anything bad. <laughs> Joey Janela, you're a good person, I, I hope at least. Uh, it's a shame that Joey Ryan is such a shitty person because this could have been one of like the all-time spots ever. But now he sucks and I'm not going to talk about it anymore. Uh, the match itself, listen, Joey Janela, I, I want Joey Janela to powerbomb me through light tubes onto a bed of tacks. And it would make me the happiest person alive because Joey Janela did it to me. Or he can hit that like awesome step up running moon senton or whatever he does. Like Joey Janela, punish me, please. Yeah. Have you <laughs> ever seen Joey Janela is a legitimate insane person, and Absolutely. he's gonna, he's going to die. Like he's legit going to die. Have you ever seen the bump he took in the match with John Zandig? Off where the, it was like it was like building. It was like off the roof into yeah. like the bed of the truck. Oh my god! Did you ever hear the story he told about that match? It's a really good story. He because he was like he was like you know I did that spot and he was like we were safe about it. He was like you'll never guess what why I almost died. He said that whenever he hit, he was only like he just had a couple spots where he was cut, but he uh, actually got cut in an artery on his wrist, and he almost bled to death. Oh my gosh! Like yeah. that's like uh, he was like he was like I was fine with the light tubes and everything. I just got caught like nicked on the wrist and I just was profusely bleeding, but I'm fine now. <laughs> like Joey Janela, you are a legitimate psychopath. I, I love it. I was gonna say like he gives me Foley vibes because Foley like again Foley's kind of like the innovator, obviously, of like these kind of like death matches. I still will f- never forget Foley getting speared through the fire uh, fiery table for the rest of my life. Joey Janela is Joey Janela is Mick Foley. If Mick Foley was like a sex addict, I was gonna say did meth. Yeah, or yeah, did meth. He's like he's like Jersey Shore Nick Mick Foley. <laughs> Perfect. Like he's. I mean, and I think the comp, the comparison works a little bit because like both of those dudes are like just completely unimpressive physically. <laughs> like they look like just some random dude from you know, like that you met at a bar, but like. They're, you know, like Joey Janelle is a good wrestler. Like he can work. He, Mick, he can Mick, work. Mick could also work. And they just have like a ton of charisma. And they're willing to kill themselves. Yeah. And they're willing <laughs> to just, they're willing to just do anything. Like they will, you know, like, like Joey Janela would totally, 
have been the dude to get thrown off the hell in a cell. Yeah, definitely. Um, Hangman's theme too. Like, I'm really like glad the AEW is able to keep some of these themes because Hangman's theme is just like instant recognizable, and that's kind of like part of the characters. Like, you have to have a good theme, you have to have a good finisher name that goes with the character. I think Rite of Passage is again perfect for Hangman. Uh, just I love this match. It's just full of silly spots. Um, the way Joey Janela runs in some of these. It's hysterical. <laughs> Have you ever seen a less athletic looking run than Joey Janela? It's so funny to watch. Uh, I will say, though, like w- with Penelope Ford's involvement, like I thought legitimately watching this match at any point, Penelope Ford could have kicked Adam Page's ass. Like, I, I she comes off looking like a wrestler who could compete in the men's division. Maybe not against Giants, but like Hangman Page, not too big. I could see her competing. It's like uh, the wrestlers of his size. Um, the burning hammer on the ladder. Just a brutal, brutal spot. Because this isn't the WWE where their ladders are made of aluminum and bend real easy. That ladder did not give. You see a little dent in it, and that's it. It does not snap in half or anything like it would in the WWE. It just kind of, eh. And you just fall flat on it. Um, Again, pay, uh Ford's crossbody on the page on the outside, just ridiculous. And then the super, uh, the super kick to Ford, the, that story, just like in disbelief of the boots that are in front of him, and just as a reaction, kicking her head off. And then, of course, the rite of passage from the ladder through the table, just absolutely insane shit. Nothing I wouldn't expect from Joey Janela. Hangman Page, obviously, a million bucks every time. And then just a bunch of redacted stuff because, unfortunately, we can't have fun here. <laughs> yeah, not, you know, it's, again, like, it's it's a shame that, you know, Joey Ryan, he has been canceled as as much as a man can get canceled you nowadays. you see he's suing now? Yeah, you know, it's, again, oh. like... Go do the research. Draw your own conclusion. Yeah, it's 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 bad stuff, folks. It's <laughs> it's not great. Um, I'm not gonna, you know, and like again, I, I thought this was like in like it's it's insane. And I remember thinking this was the funniest thing ever when I watched it the first time. Nowadays, like I, I still thought it was like funny, but it's it's a different kind of like enjoyment because it's like I'm I think this is funny, but this is also extremely problematic, especially because like. Yeah, this is Joey Ryan. His gimmick was his penis. And then you realize, like, yeah, he uh, he allegedly did some stuff. So this isn't good, you know? In a vacuum, it's in a vacuum, that yes. segment yeah. is yeah. what makes wrestling great. Yeah. That's kind of what I'm trying to say. Like, in the vacuum, that segment's great. But <laughs> but, you know, in retrospect, it's uh it's it's a little unsettling, you know. But the fans loved it. They they had a great time. I had a great time when I saw this. And again, it's like the most insane thing I've ever seen. And uh, props. I mean, props. Just a lot of creativity. I mean, the penis druids. Like, come on. Who who thinks of doing penis druids? Let's be real here. So next match up, we've got a Ring of Honor World Championship match. Remember back on the pre-show, we had a... A big battle royal to decide who's going to challenge Jay Lethal for the title. It was won by Flip Gordon. So it is Flip 
who was really over in 2018 before uh, he stayed in, you know, dying Ring of Honor. And also, like, I think became a QAnon guy. Ooh. Yeah. Um, he's got Brandy Rhodes with him. And then you got Jay Lethal who comes out. And they do a little backstage. They're doing, like, a thing where um, a, a gimmick here, when if someone slaps Jay, uh, Jay Lethal on the shoulder, he, like, 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 goes in and out of his, like, Randy Savage impression. The black machismo, and, baby. Yes. And, you know, he has made that Randy Savage impression famous. That was, like, his whole gimmick for, like, two years in TNA was that he did an incredible Randy Savage impression. <laughs> and it's genuinely, like, one of the best Macho Man impressions of all time. Like, he has every single mannerism perfect. His voice is perfect. He does all the moves, like... Ex- like you would you would think that it's actually Macho Man Randy Savage, except he's not white. It came, That's the one difference. And it came from like uh, I, I did some research on it because I'm like, oh, I want to learn more about the Black Machismo because I remember whenever my dad would throw TNA on, I loved every Black Machismo match I saw. Uh, but it comes from like the uh, the Paparazzi Championship Series where he's competing against other wrestlers to like get a quote unquote makeover, like a new gimmick. And then again, they they say in like I guess in kayfabe. That his gimmick is, quote, to imitate Macho Man. And that's it. And it's beautiful, and I love it. As someone that now has a new appreciation for Macho Man, I loved Black Machismo even more, and I was really happy to see them revive the gimmick for this match. Yeah, just tremendous. And it's like, again, he has every single mannerism absolutely perfect. So Lethal comes out, and he's, he's full Black Machismo. He comes out, he's wearing the gear, He's comes out to pomp and circumstance, which was Macho Man's entrance theme. And he's accompanied by Randy's brother, Leaping Lanny Poffo, a.k.a. the genius in WWF. Um, the effect is lost a little bit because you don't get like, I wish you could have had Jay Lethal do like an actual promo doing the, the Macho Man voice because he's got a perfect Macho Man voice. But he I mean, he, yeah, he has all the the mannerism. Perfect. Him and Flip do the mega powers handshake at the beginning of the match, which we're bringing the Mega Powers handshake back in 2020, yes. boys. We're doing it. Um, and so the first part of this match, he's doing Macho Man. And they take like at least one or two spots early in this match directly from the Macho Man Ricky Steamboat match at WrestleMania 3. And then Lethal starts like chasing Brandy around the ring, like pretend, like acting like he like she's Miss Elizabeth and like ca- like putting her up on his shoulders and stuff. And you know, the crowd loves it. Brandy slaps him on the shoulder, snaps him out of it, and then he starts wrestling like Jay Lethal again. And so they have a match. It's a pretty good match. Um, Flip does a, a really cool standing shooting star press where he's actually, like, he starts with Jay behind him, and so he, like, jumps forward and does a shooting star press, but, like, fades backward as he does it, which I thought looked so cool. And then he does his thing where he does a bunch of kip-ups in a row. He hits a bunch of dives. He hits a frog splash for a two-count. Um, he hits a standing moonsault. He hits the kinder surprise kick in the corner. He hits a falcon arrow, which gets Excalibur to freak out because he's done the deal and nobody kicks out of the falcon arrow. But uh, Jay kicks out of the falcon arrow. Um, Lanny Poffo gets up on the ring apron. He slaps him on the shoulder. He kicks him back into Randy Savage mode. He hits the body slam. He hits three elbow drops from the top. But Flip kicks out. And then Flip Gordon hulks up like he's Hulk Hogan. So we're getting both dudes doing nostalgia stuff at the same time. He hulks up. He hits the three punches. He hits the big boot. 
He goes for the leg drop and then misses. And then they do a bunch of like reversals. He ends up hitting a springboard sling blade. Um, he hits a Samoan drop, a running shooting star press, and then a corkscrew moonsault. Lethal, kick, lethal kicks out of that. Finally, Jay Lethal or uh, Flip goes for another Kinder Surprise kick, but Lethal catches him with a cutter off the top rope. He hits the Lethal Injection, and he gets the pin in 14 minutes and 21 seconds. Bully Ray shows up after the match. He beats everybody up. He kicks Lanny in the nuts, but then Colt Cabana comes in for the save. And then all three of them, Colt Cabana, Flip Gordon, Jay Lethal, they all powerbomb Bully Ray through the table, and the crowd loves it. Again, I th- I enjoyed this match more so for, like, the black machismo gimmick other than, like, the story they told in the match. Because, again, the, the biggest story is just, like, having Jay Lethal go in and out of that mode. Uh, I did really enjoy also the um, hulking out from Flip Gordon, even if it made no sense in the, like, general match but it was just like hey he does a cool spot i thought he did the big boot really well too i thought that was funny um but again you get to see a lot of flippy stuff from flip gordon you get to see jay lethal you know be a professional um that's the best way i could describe him is just like he's a great professional wrestler but there's nothing in this match that really makes you go oh holy shit this like i don't know i i guess it was a good match but like I couldn't really get invested in it because I knew Flip wasn't going to win. You know what I mean? Flip's part in the night had already come. He won the, what they call it, the over-the-budget battle royal. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, like he had already won that. He had his moment. And I could just tell it wasn't going to happen here. This was just to get Jay Lethal on the card. And like to give Flip like a little bit of shine. But I mean, it was cool. And I mean, Flip Gordon's awesome. And Black Machismo is cool. But I agree with David. I wish he had cut a promo. So that we could like really hear it. But I, I yeah. was actually I will say I really enjoyed the three elbow drops that he uh hits in the middle of the match or towards the oh. end of the match, as well as the torture act slam that he does, because that just looks positively brutal. But again, yeah. uh, well one last note though. Leth- the lethal injects injection is way better than the RKO. All right. <laughs> it's pretty it's a pretty cool move. I, I will say that like yeah, I mean, I don't think anybody thought that Flip was really winning, probably. But I think this match is is great for what it was, because there's a lot of different stuff on this card, and we've had a few, you know, good, kind of exciting one-on-one matches on the show. And I think that you knew that there was no way that, like, if Jay Lethal and Flip Gordon have a straight-up, just normal wrestling match, it'll probably be good, but it's not going to be as good as... The next match we're talking about, Kenny Omega and Pentagon Jr. It's not going to be as good as Nick Aldis and Cody. It's not going to be as good as Marty, Squirrel, and Okada. It's just not going to be that good just because of the guys involved and because of the hype and the stories surrounding the other matches. So what they do is they they don't just have like a regular wrestling match. They do the Black Machismo thing. They have Flip hulking up. They do some comedy stuff interspersed with some good wrestling. And in doing so, they make the match, I think, really memorable. Whereas if they hadn't done that stuff and just had a wrestling match, would you remember that this match probably happened? Absolutely not. Probably wouldn't remember it. But instead, thinking back, I remember this like, oh, yeah, this is the Black Machismo match. Like, this is he did Black Machismo and we all loved it and it was a fun time. So I think it's I think it's perfect. Again, I mean, you know, we probably didn't think that Flip was going to win, but that was beside the point. Right. You know? 
this is, you know, this isn't a ring of honor show. You're probably not going to be changing any titles here or like uh, uh, changing a ring of honor title, at least not on a ring of honor branded show. So like, let's do something cool. Let's do something fun. Yeah. And that's what this was. And it was good. I enjoyed it. It was better than the ladder match. Hmm. Oh, la- yeah. The ladder yeah. match they had with like Lethal, uh, Matt Taven, and then Skrull. Oh, yeah. Well, that match, I can tell you from being in the beginning, that match felt like it took 38 freaking hours to watch. I mean, forever. Oh, my God. And then Matt Taven won. Like, come on. I'm Matt Taven. Congratulations, you are Matt Taven. <laughs> Congratulations on being Matt Taven, my dude. Uh, full disclosure, I actually like Matt Taven, but... Okay, well, so next up, we've got an absolute ripper of a wrestling match. We've got Kenny Omega and Pentagon Jr., who is, for copyright reasons, going under the name Penta El Cero for this match. Kenny Omega, of course, this is the highest ever power level Kenny Omega. And this version of Kenny Omega has one of the highest power levels of any wrestler in history. This is like bleach blonde hair, his old theme song. He's just won the IWGP champion, the cleaner Kenny Omega. (laughs) Taking on Pentagon Jr., who at the time was completely on fire. In Impact, he had been their champion, which is having these killer matches all the time. I remember for myself personally, like my biggest dream match in the summer of 2018 was Kenny Omega versus Pentagon Jr. When they announced that specific match for All In, it like it, it blew my mind because it was like they had reached directly into my brain and taken the match that I specifically wanted the most, and then they made it happen. And it completely delivers. It's an awesome match. Um, Part of the story is, I mean, Penta has, like, all of his big moves scouted. He goes for, you know, the Terminator clap, the the Terminator clap, and the, the, the dive over the top rope, but Penta cuts him off, hits a sling blade, and then he hits a flip dive of his own to the outside, and then hits a power slam on the floor. He goes for the the you can't escape uh, forward rolling uh, slam into the springboard moonsault, but Penta blocks the moonsault. He blocks a bunch of his moves. Finally, uh, Kenny gets on a roll. He hits a big springboard dive to the outside. He hits a springboard drop kick. He hits a cross leg neck breaker, and then the snapdragon suplex, and then a Death Valley driver, like all in a row. Hits a V trigger into the corner, but Penta comes back, hits a double stomp in the corner. Kenny hits two more V-triggers. Penta does not go down. He keeps throwing up the Cerro Miedo taunt, which the fans have always loved. Uh, I'm, it's me. I'm fans. Yes. I am also fans. <laughs> Kenny hits like 38 V-triggers in a row in this match. It's awesome. He hits a power bomb. He hits another V-trigger. Penta just barely grabs the bottom rope. They tease their finishers on each other. Penta gets them up and hits this amazing pump handle driver for a two count. Penta then hits the package pile driver on the ring apron, which like compressed my neck just looking at it. He hits the uh, the double stomp off the top rope for a two count. Then Kenny picks him up and hits Pentagon's finisher, the package pile driver. He hits one of his own and like, 
It's the most horrifying looking package pile driver in history. Uh, he does not get his legs underneath him at all. He literally just looks like he blasts Penta's spinal cord directly through the mat. <laughs> he hits another V trigger. He gets him up for the one winged angel. Pentagon fights out of it. He gets him into the arm bar. He does the spot that he's always done since he was in Lucha Underground where he lays back and quote unquote breaks the arm. He hits a package, another package pile driver. Kenny kicks out at like the last instant. It's a great kick out. Then finally, Kenny hits another V trigger. He hits a poison Rana. He hits his 25th V trigger of the match. Finally hits the one winged angel and he gets the pin 17 minutes and 47 seconds. This match was just all action, a complete barn burner. And then finally another little post-match angle here. The lights go out and the lights go out for a little bit. When they come back on, it looks like everything's normal. Pentagon is still lying in the middle of the ring. Kenny Omega is a little confused, but he starts waving to the crowd. All of a sudden, Pentagon gets up and starts attacking Kenny. And then you realize, after watching it for a second, like, wait, this is that's not Pentagon Jr. He's fat. <laughs> his, ta- his tattoos are different. He's a little bit thicker around the midsection. And you're wondering, wait, who is that guy? I, I think I've seen those tattoos before. Then all of a sudden, he hits a code breaker, and he takes the mask off, and it's Chris Jericho. And the crowd goes insane for Chris Jericho. And Jericho grabs the mic, and he says, Kenny Omega, I'll see you on the Jericho cruise. (laughs) Just ruined the whole spot for me. Yeah, which, like, if you were (laughs) Kenny Omega, and this dude just tried to kill you, why would you go on a cruise with him? Like, (laughs) I... Yeah, and I like that one line ruined the post angle match for me because it's like, see, like just think think about that out loud. See you on the Jericho cruise. I'll Come see on. you on this. I'll see you on the cruise, buddy. That's this Jericho cruise that I have tickets. invited you to be on. With <laughs> a, a cruise that I am booking, actually. Uh, this match was such a banger. It's like you said, these guys were like two of the two of the best at the time. Still, probably are really. Um, my my biggest question is. Why do these people hate their necks so much? Like, <laughs> like we talked about Ki- uh, Ibushi, I think Ibushi Naito at the uh, Supercard, but like it looked like Kenny legitimately, it, it looked like halfway through the match, they said, you know what? Let's just ruin our necks. People are going to love it. And we loved it. And so they just kept doing it. Yeah. Uh, the, the package pile driver on the apron. Oh, oh yes, my gosh. I cringe so hard. I cringe less at that than the one that Kenny did where he just like literally just slams his head into the mat. <laughs> like, like that is like one of the most unsafe pile drivers I've ever seen in my entire life. And I've watched like dozens of Chuck Taylor matches. <laughs> Would you rather have Owen Hart give you one or uh, Kenny Omega? I would rather take, I would rather take the Owen Hart one because I, I am, I mean like Pentagon survived but like, I am not confident in my own my own neck and my own spinal cord that I could survive that. <laughs> I'm confident in my neck, but it doesn't mean I want to. Enzo, it's because your neck is not there. You've got uh, you've got he's got Ishii neck. He's just not. It's not there. <laughs> he's he's shoulders and a head. That's it. You're not wrong. He looks like a Lego man. <laughs> <laughs> no Lego man have necks. Um. These guys just do everything at 100 miles an hour. And I think, David, you've said this before, that Kenny, when he wrestles, 
he just looks like he is sprinting everywhere, like every second of the sprint. Um, but, you know, there's I have one small complaint, and you guys might disagree. I think sometimes Kenny no-sells stuff. You know what I mean? I, mean, I was getting like that. I was, I was getting that in this match a little bit. He was kind of just popping back up from stuff. Yeah. But at the same time, like... It's Kenny. You know, I, but you also know the audience. Like, it's an indie wrestling audience. They want to see a bunch of moves, dude. Right. They want to see people go fast and do cool stuff. And that's what they do. Kenny as a wrestler is an anime character. And anime characters <laughs> don't sell anything. That's true. That is that is that is very true. No, but like I will say going into that, the heel energy that is being exuded by Omega for his entrance is you could feel it through the screen. I loved it the very moment I saw it. And it just kind of feels like when he's there, his presence, it feels like side characters when Goku shows up because you know that you're just nowhere near his level and you will never be anywhere near that level. You just have to sit back and watch as someone that is leagues better than you go out and do the same job or a similar job. And was this your like first exposure to like real peak Kenny? Yes. Like this cleaner is like, Kenny? Yes. This is the first exposure to cleaner Kenny besides the teases that we're getting right now in AEW. Cause I, the, I want to bring it back. The utter majesty of cleaner Kenny. Let oh me tell gosh. you, I mean like this is like 2018. This was like the highest Kenny stock has ever been. And like, like he had just won the IWGP championship. He had just finished off the, the series with Okada where he won the title and it's like the greatest series of matches in history. And it was like, this is, this is top level Kenny, you know, his power level was absurd. It's fantastic. I also got to recognize Pentagon besides being named after a shape as a math major. I appreciate, uh, <laughs> I'm kidding. Uh, he, we, t- we talk about like, I talk about guys and how they do things and mannerisms. Pentagon has mannerisms he stands out in a crowd like everything he does feels very unique to him um and then just the little glove removal uh, removal when he's doing the zero pharaoh uh to kenny what did you just say the zero Zero pharaoh what 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 are you saying i can't hear it ever correctly i I know it's it's, okay zero it's cerro miedo which is spanish which is spanish for zero fear I only hear it as one syllable. The second word is one <laughs> syllable. So that's why I never hear it right. Pentagon Who let you in the house? What? Who let you in the house? <laughs> I was going to say, who let me in my house? Uh, who let me out of that? I thought you said, who let me out of the house? I'm just like, I'm in my house. Uh, no, but I just love like the little sass he puts on it. It's just so funny. As about as funny as me butchering words. Oh my God, Angelo! Check that off of the beat. Absolutely, brutal. <laughs> absolutely brutal showing by Angelo and Glisa tonight. Absolute, an absolute shambles. But I will say, I think my favorite spot in the match is where you have Pentagon just no selling V trigger after V trigger. It just is just, it makes sense. I love it because he's just taunting Kenny the entire way, and all in all, great story that went 100 miles per hour. Beautiful. Yes, this match. Just like seems like it is like you're watching it on fast forward, like like 125 percent like speed, and it's just so cool. Like I, I like again, I, I have very fond memories of this match because again, like I was so excited for it. It was like the match that I wanted to see in my life, and it it completely delivered. But like, I mean, like 2018 Kenny and Pentagon. Neither of those dudes could miss. 
It was the SpongeBob he don't miss me all the time. <laughs> and you know, I love AEW, but sometimes I wish we could go back to those days a little bit just because again, the majesty of 2018 Kenny was just unmatched in wrestling. That's probably because he stole all the majesty from Kazuchika Okada. Ooh. Next up, and this is a very cursed form of Okada, but he is in the co-main taking on Marty Skrull. Um, and, you know, we got Tiger Hattori from New Japan Pro Wrestling as the referee. He gets a big reaction. And Marty Skrull comes out, and I, I remember calling one time like the guy that the one wrestler who I know Angelo's going to see once and be a huge mark for it is the villain Marty Skrull. I'm glad to know that in the end I was right. But we've got Marty as a great entrance, the crowd chanting whoop whoop to his entrance. He's got the music, he's got the, you know, the whole shtick. Looks like a star. Okada comes out, the golden god of pro wrestling. Crowd goes absolutely crazy for him. As I mentioned, this is post-championship loss funk Okada. This is uh, dyed red hair, long pants Okada, which is, again, like the lowest power Okada since since he was in TNA. This is like the lowest power Okada that we ever got. But even this, a reduced version of Okada, who has just a really shitty remix of his theme that I had forgotten about. This It's still Okada. You know, he's still a god. He's just coming off of his nearly two-year IWGP Heavyweight Championship reign, and the crowd is pretty split rooting for Okada and Marty. whole story of this match, they, they announced the match, and basically everyone is giving Marty shit for being too small. It's saying that, you know, he should go to 205 Live. He's a junior heavyweight. There's no way he can possibly stand in there with a real heavyweight like the god, Kazuchika Okada, the Rainmaker. This is a kind of a slower storytelling type match, but I think it's just an incredibly well-laid-out match. I, I, I think this is just a tremendous, tremendous match. A lot of it, you know, Okada is kind of playing the the subtle heel who is kind of reveling in big brothering the uh, the smaller Marty Skrull and Marty trying to hit some power moves. And every time he does to kind of prove that he's str- like he gets strong enough to face off with Okada, every time he tries something, Okada counters it and then hits Marty with the same move. Do that a bunch of times. Eventually, Marty hits a big brain buster. And he gets a huge reaction. The crowd goes crazy when he hits the Brain Buster. He hits a superplex off the top rope. He hits a power bomb for a two count. Okada hits a shotgun drop kick for a two count. And then the last five, seven minutes, it just really reaches a fever pitch. And the crowd's going crazy. And they're just going back and forth. Okada hits the tombstone. This is like the, the thing that I remember the most from this match. Okada hits the tombstone. He hits the Rainmaker pose, He drags Marty up to his feet. And as he's holding them in position to eventually spin him around for the Rainmaker, he holds up his hand and he motions with his fingers 205. Oh my God. And as he holds up the five, Marty grabs his hand and he does the finger break spot and the crowd loves it. Okada immediately comes back, hits the drop kick, 
goes for another Rainmaker. Marty reverses it into a, the cross-face chicken wing. Okada fights out of it. He looks like he's about to escape. But all of a sudden, Marty pops back up, puts him back in the cross-face chicken wing, but he eventually escapes again. Then we get a ref bump. Marty goes and grabs his umbrella that is one of his props. Okada goes for the Rainmaker, but Marty counters it by opening up the umbrella, which has the All In logo on it. He then swings for the fences and then absolutely just brains him with the umbrella in the head. Uh, then he hits a Rainmaker of his own. The great kick out by Okada at like the last instant. He then goes for the chicken wing. Okada reverses it into a full Rainmaker, but he can't cover. Finally gets up. Okada hits the spinning lariat, hits another Rainmaker, and he gets the pin in 26 minutes and five seconds. The longest match on the show. I absolutely loved this match. It was laid out perfectly. The crowd was invested in it. And there's just so many memorable spots in it. As someone who is frequently made fun of for being too small, I can very much relate to this Marty Skrull storyline uh, and trying to punch above your weight class. But all in all, just, again, I think, David, you laid it out perfectly. This is a great match. tells a great story. It might be a little bit slower than, a lot slower than Omega versus Penta. But the match itself, in terms of quality, does not lack. First of all, how does Marty do that pop for, like, the joint manipulation? I have to I th- know that secret. I think the trick is, like, if you watch him, he, like, swings his hands in such a way where, like, the bottom of his of his palms clap together as he's doing the motion. So he's kind of, like, he's able to kind of clap as he does it, but, like, make it look like he's not doing it. That's marvelous. But, I mean, again, Skrull, I love... There again, he's a kind. He's not quite in that Joey Ryan territory, but he was one of the wrestlers that was mentioned in the speaking out movement. Uh, it seems like he's been going about it a different way than Joey Ryan will say. Uh, yeah, he's not been a little lo- more low key, you know. Not suing the people that have accused him, but yeah. his theme is just majestic. Uh, I really do appreciate how, as a wrestler, he's able to kind of blend the comedy with like the kind of like creepy culty feel to him because that's something that like a lot of wrestlers kind of when you get booked as a either a full-time comedy guy or a full-time spooky guy that it's a hard thing to kind of blend together because a lot of times it just comes off as painfully awkward and you kind of lose any heat that you got from one or the other um okada's theme not the remixed version obviously but okada's theme in general is just an awesome theme even though this is a, you know, not a great version of Okada. Uh, the start off where like you have the crowd split, they're chanting both for Marty and Okada really just helps bring this match up another level. I feel like you see a lot of great moves. You see uh, a lot of storytelling with Marty being too small to do some power moves to Okada, but then eventually getting some power moves in using his creative, like joint manipulation to kind of even the score and just, it is a lot of more moves than like story. I mean, there's a lot of storytelling, but there's a lot of good moves that tell that story and you kind of hit on a lot of them. I think just think the two Oh five live taunt was just hysterical. And then seeing Marty just go for the fingers and just kind of get that come up and the, and the chicken wing, the chicken wing to submission, the fake finish. I love the little bit where he's not able to lock his hands. I think it added to the story as well. And again, I love this match. It's my favorite match on the card. Not going to lie. And uh, all in all, 
I liked the fact that you saw Okada use two Rainmakers to finish off Marty because it kind of validates who Marty is as a junior heavyweight punching up above his weight class. I just want to take this time to acknowledge, as David kind of mentioned, long pants, red hair Okada, because the character work is incredible. Like, and you were talking about how he needed the two Rainmakers to put away Scroll. He shouldn't have needed those. Like, why did Okada need multiple Rainmakers to put away a junior heavyweight? That shouldn't have happened. Here's why I love, uh, unironically love, red hair, long pants Okada. He is one of the world's greatest wrestlers who's trying to pretend like he's one of the world's greatest wrestlers who's still really good, but not quite as good as he was before. That is just, that's it's called layers. Okay. <laughs> He's and, playing and it was, such a good character. And it was like consistently implied throughout that run that he was uh, struggling <laughs> with substance abuse problems. <laughs> like, it's just such, just so batshit. Like, what is happening? I, I just, I loved it. And like, you saw that a lot in the G1 that year, because this was like, this was only a couple months after the G1. And he had spent the entire G1. Uh, wait, I'm, I'm right about that, right, David? I'm not. He, he had like, yeah, well, he had like started the G1 and like lost a bunch of matches to like dudes he would never lose to. And he was like doing the whole thing where he was in a funk. Dominion like, was May, right? Dominion was like July. Like they do Dominion like right before the G1. Like I think J- Dominion was July and then it like, or, or J- no, Dominion was June and then I think okay. the G1 was in July. I so, say. but so he had lost it before the G1. Yeah. And he like, he spent the entire G1 being like coked out okada yeah it's just surreal balloons okada (laughs) it's a very cursed okada but like you you know it was it was like they were doing this on purpose like it was for a story it was for the comeback and like yeah like it's it's amazing that okada managed to pull off like a midlife crisis storyline when he was (laughs) i love it um there's a one more thing i i'm just looking at my notes okada Amazing drop kicks. Yes, amazing. I knew that you were gonna <laughs> love the Okada drop kick. Have to say it for the memes, but the Okada drop kicks are just something else. The guy, I would say, almost nobody can do a drop kick like Okada. It is um, pound for pound one of the best. Drop and kicks. I just feel like in this match, you kind of see, and the way the announcers describe him is like the the Orin comparisons are just so easy to make and so adapt. I'd say that Okada is just a little bit more charismatic Orton. Because the announcers keep saying Okada's got a set set of moves that he'll use in a match, and because he's so good, there's no way that you could stop him from using them. It's like what's every Randy Orton match: the draping DDT, the RKO, the punt. Okada is a version of Randy Orton who was really actually committed to always having great matches and fully realizing his potential. There you go. That is the version of that. That that is who Okada is. So maybe he the is, Okada is the greatest possible world version of Randy Orton. <laughs> so maybe it's better to say that not Okada is a version of Orton. That Orton is a version of Okada. Yeah, yes. Orton. Orton is a disappointing Okada, which is saying something in of itself because Orton has had an incredible career, but he's like he's the version of Okada that. Had like the B plus career instead of the A plus. Career. He only does the good things, and when he's doing something that he doesn't like, he mails it in. Yeah, Okada's always out there, just crushing it to the point where even now in his matches in the G one, where they're kind of disappointing because he's doing the Cobra Clutch instead of the Rainmaker, I like 
trust that something awesome is going to come out of it. I just, I, I feel it. I feel it. I feel it coming. I feel like when he's going to hit that Rainmaker for the first time, it's going to be, be going to be epic, dude. It's going to be, so I'm going to pop. I'm going to scream at my laptop and I'm going to be very hyped. But I love this match. I, I mean, there's, there's a lot of matches on the show that are, are great, that are action packed. But this to me is Runaway the best match of the show. Yeah. Just because it, it, te- it's, it tells a great story. It has great spots in it. It has great moves in it. The crowd is super invested one way or the other. And Marty is great as an identifiable babyface because, you know, a ton of us have, have had to deal with, you know, being made to feel inadequate for, for reasons that we can't control, like, Ange- like, like being small, like Angelo is, or being a, a, an idiotic hillbilly like Jake is. Or like me, being too handsome and too smart for everybody, <laughs> that, that people don't understand me. Angelo, yeah. cut that out. <laughs> we, have, we have always, you know, we've, we've all been made to feel inadequate for things that we can't control. And Okada is so great at playing that subtle heel who is so good and he knows it and is kind of reveling in the fact that He's bigger than Marty Skrull, and he's gonna, you know, he's gonna kind of, you know, he's gonna humiliate him a little bit. He's gonna teach him not to mess around with the big boys. Hey, Jake, remember that time that David was never mad? Oh, I remember that time, dude. I also remember that. It was cool as hell. So yeah, Marty versus Okada, ten out of five stars from me. <laughs> so we then come to the main event of the show. Um, it is a six-man tag match. Between the Golden Elite, Kota Ibushi, and the Young Bucks, taking on three of the great luchadors, Bandito, Phoenix, and in all caps, baby, Rey Mysterio. We got Rey Mysterio on this show. Just exceptional. The Golden Elite, I don't know if there has ever been a more glorious wrestling faction in the history of wrestling. The Golden Lovers, Kota Ibushi, and Kenny Omega, and the Young Bucks. Incredible. This is a match that. They had a hard time cutoff for this pay-per-view. And the Marty Okada match ran so long. Really, like, a, a decent bit longer than it was supposed to. That this, they were in a time crunch. And they were really up against it. So they had to really compress this match. They had a bunch of spots they wanted to do. And not that much time to do it. So they were like, alright boys, let's just do a bunch of stuff. And they just crammed all these spots in. And it is just... I got a long ass list of moves. It is one of the most pure and insane and incredible spot fests in the history of wrestling. So here we go. I mean, they're, they're just constantly doing a bunch of dives. Uh, you know, the, the instant Kota Ibushi and Rey Mysterio face off in the ring, it's just one of those moments that like, I can't believe we've got these two guys together and the crowd loves it. Rey Mysterio at 43 years old in this match, looks great. With these guys who are a lot younger than he is, who are doing these insane moves, he does not have a single issue matching the pace of the match. And it's awesome to see, because he is the reason why all these guys exist in pro wrestling. He's the reason why all these kinds of guys got a chance. So, uh, you know, Ibushi does a... Big moonsault double knee on 
Bandito. He hits a double Pele kick. I'm just gonna, there's a ton of moves. I'm just going to read a bunch of moves <laughs> because this match is a bunch of moves crammed into about 12 minutes. Um, everybody does a bunch of dives on each other in a row. Ray hits an acai moonsault on the outside on everyone. Phoenix does this insane springboard corkscrew splash. And then Bandito does the same move, but just off of the ring post. Matt Jackson from the Young Bucks, he does a cannonball senton off of the ramp onto Phoenix and Bandito. Then he tosses Bandito to Ibushi, who hits him with a German suplex for a two count. Bandito hits a triple Hurricane Rana onto all three guys simultaneously. But Ray comes in, goes for the 619 on Matt. He catches him. They tease a double Meltzer driver, but Phoenix rope walks in and then kicks Kota Ibushi in the face. Bandito hits a huge step-up Hurricane Rana to the outside on Nick Jackson. Then this next uh, section is like the Matt Jackson gets destroyed section of the mm. match. Matt Jackson in a row eats a 619 from Rey Mysterio. He eats a rolling Canadian Destroyer from Phoenix. He eats a Poison Rana from Bandito. Then he eats a Frog Splash from Rey, from Rey Mysterio. And then he kicks out of all of that. It is the single most ridiculous kick out in the history of professional wrestling. But it was but art. It was, it was amazing. Bandito hits the moonsault side slam off the top rope onto Matt. But then Nick comes in, breaks it up. The Bucks then super kick everybody. They hit a triple more bang for your buck onto Bandito. But Phoenix breaks it up. Finally, they hit the Meltzer driver on Bandito. The Golden Elite win in 11 minutes and 48 seconds. They have to go air, go off the air immediately after the pin, and that's the end of the show. All in 2018 ends with an unbelievable lucha spot fest. My face melted off about halfway through this match, and then afterwards it was just overkill. Like, yeah. oh my god, this, there's just never any time to breathe, which both sucks and is awesome at the same time. It reminds you of the uh, the IWGP Junior Heavyweight Triple Threat match from MS MSG that yeah, we did yeah, yeah. months ago. Where it's just like, they got 10 minutes, do your shit, boys, and they just melt your face <laughs> off. Do your, get your shit in, boys. <laughs> we, we, we play in a bunch of spots. Go do them. <laughs> then they do them. The, I, I will say, the first time watching this, I lost my shit seeing when Kota Ibushi and Rey Mysterio faced off. Because, holy crap, we talk about a lot about like dream matches and whatnot. And this is just a classic case of that. Because Rey Mysterio... I mean, for the longest time, we think of him as a WWE guy. So having him here seems like a miracle in the first place. I know he was doing like the independent circuit at this point in his career. But still, it feels like, okay, this is a guy that can go to WWE at any second, whenever he wants. And then you have Kota Ibushi, a guy from New Japan who, again, because of his background, can go do whatever he wants. And we have this dream matchup where they're facing off. They do a lot of great work with each other. And then you get Ibushi Bandito later in the match, which is also a little uh, same thing, dream match vibes. And uh, David, you mentioned it before, the 619 Destroyer Poison Rana Frog Splash moment. At that point, I was in a coma. I was comatose because a man should not be kicking out of that many big moves. But Matt Jackson, baby. It's the most absurd kick out I've ever seen in my entire life. (laughs) But like, isn't that like such an encapsulation of indie wrestling, though? Like, just ridiculous shit like that, you know? I, I would say it's classic Young Bucks. Yeah, like, they're killing the business, dude. Yeah. It's a Young Bucks match, but it's a young, it's like a compressed Young Bucks match. So it's like, it's it's an on steroids Young Bucks match. 
Yeah, like, like, like everything that like that characterizes their matches brought up a hundred percent. And they they've done stuff like that before where they kick out of crazy stuff, but there's generally like a spot in between the two rather than just like finish, 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 kick out. You know, it's it, it's a little more spread out. Um but this I you guys have already like covered everything because there's not like a story beat to talk about. You guys have talked about all the moves. You guys have talked about like how cool it was to have Mysterio there. I mean, I don't know if we talked about Ray Phoenix and Bandito, but like they're both super cool too. Uh, I don't know. It this was just it, it was definitely like a melt your face off experience. But I just I, I couldn't help. Wait, wait, my- wait! A Meltzer face off. So like I couldn't I'll be here all night. Shut up, man. So I couldn't help but like just my eyes are just drawn to the pure sex appeal of Kota Ibushi this entire match. Magnificent. A magnificent like, human specimen. I mean, he he's just built like a Greek god, like the statue of David or whatever. Like, I think it was made like using Kota Ibushi's likeness. He's just a beautiful man and everything he does looks so good. So in this match of six legends, we'll, I'll call them all legends. Kota Ibushi just stuck out to me. Even if he wasn't doing like the, like the craziest moves and stuff, he's just, mm, I love you, Kota. Last thing I will need a shout out. Ray Phoenix's ability to just run the ropes and I don't oh. mean like run back and forth between the ropes. I mean, literally run on the ropes. And also I've decided that for the rest of this, COVID world, COVID nightmare. I'm just going to wear a bandito mask. I mean, it covers my face. <laughs> Please wear a bandito mask everywhere you go. I don't think they'll allow it at work. <laughs> bandito, bandito is so cool. Like, that's the dude, that's like the one dude who I feel like is underrated for how cool he is because, you know, he wears a mask, he never speaks, but just like, he's so cool. What's he doing right now? He uh, is he in Ring of Honor? I guess he's in Ring of Honor <laughs> still, but like he hasn't been doing anything because the like, the one thing they're doing they're doing that like pure rules tournament. I don't think he's in it. I might oh. be wrong, but I don't think he's in it. Huh. Gotcha. So I don't know. I think he's just chilling. But that that guy should be everywhere. He's so good, and I think I already like. I, I think I raved about him for like ten years when we when we did the MSG show, so I don't need to like rave about him some more. But Bandito is like one of the best wrestling talents in the world. He's so sweet, and I just want him everywhere on my TV screen all the time. I just want to see him having just ripper matches every every week forever. <laughs> but this match is crazy. I mean, it is just. Move after move after move after move. And you know that, like, if they had had more time for this match, like, the ending would feel a little less abrupt. But I honestly feel like with the guys in it, it would maybe only be, like, 5% slower. Yeah. Like, it would still be an insane just spot fest that just goes at 1,000 miles an hour. They would just let it breathe a little bit more, but probably not that much more. I I liken the last three matches to you're at the bar. Omega Penta is just like you're you're drinking a few beers. Then you get to Okada Squirrel and you're maybe mixing it up with some mixed drinks with harder alcohol. 
And then when you get to the Golden Elite versus the Luchadors, it's like, who said shots? And just nothing <laughs> yes. but shots. You're taking six shots off the rip. And again, you're just in wrestling bliss afterwards. Yes. And then after that, you go watch WCW Greed 2001. Yes, because that is what me and Jake do when we're drunk. We watch <laughs> the late period WCW <laughs> It's like drinking coffee. Yes, it's great. <laughs> it's great, man. I'm big Ernest the Cat Miller guy. I really hope we get some get some Ernest Miller in the future, man. I need some buff bag, not Marcus Alexander. Nah, we don't have it. We haven't had any real good buff Bagwell yet. <laughs> That's the one real blind spot that we haven't been able to hit for whatever reason on the randomizer. We have not gotten some real trash WCW. Despite yet. the fact we've had Bagwell on the pod four times. Yeah, we've had it's like seventeen. We've had like seventeen buff Bagwell appearances, but they've always been Marcus Bagwell, like the boring version. I want trash Buff Bagwell, dude. I want absolute Vince Russo, Vince Russo type ass. That's an argument for another week. I think we're. I think we've basically finished up all in 2018. Oh, we've gone through the gone through the show. So let's hit our two and a half marks. Let's start with Angelo. Sure. Uh, let's start off. Uh, my first one, the half mark. It's going to alter egos. So we get the cleaner Kenny Omega, and we also get Black Machismo. I think both those guys just ooze charisma, especially Ooh. especially when Jay Lethal's in Black Machismo mode. Uh, I enjoy it. It always adds a nice little wrinkle to matches and backstory, and it's never a bad thing to have an alter ego to go to in order to like mix things up for you. Uh, my one mark is going to dream matches. David, you mentioned that Kenny Omega Pentel zero dream match. I also mentioned like Rey Mysterio facing off with a Bushi bandito facing off with a Bushi. You get to see the young bucks do some, uh, against again, Rey Mysterio Okada Skrull feels like a dream match. Uh, even if you want to go as far as like saying like Kangman page, Joey Janelle is a dream match probably for Jake. Uh, but I think you got to do a one mark for dream matches because it's never a bad thing when wrestling companies can make up these uh, fan service matches and have them really feel meaningful. Uh, and then my two marks, it's going to go to in match storytelling. I think with, again, I'll mention the Omega Penta match, Okada Skrull. I think Paige and Janela told a great story as well. Even Lethal versus Flip Gordon, even though the story isn't anything really special, but it's it's unique. It stands out. It breaks up the seriousness of the card with something funny. And if you want to say that, that there's a story in terms of what face-melting moves were in the main event, sure. But the the matches that were told, the stories that get tell, told in them, fantastic all around. And there's a reason why All In is regarded as one of the best pay-per-views in the 20th century, uh, 21st century. 20th century? 21st what? century. G- give me a break, man. Give me a break. I have to talk to people all day. I'm my, I can't talk as much as I want to, but anyway, I, the in-match storytelling on All In, especially this last half of the card, fantastic stuff and things that I really like to see out of my wrestling company instead of the same thing over and over and over again with zero development. All right, so I guess I'm going to follow up, and um, so I'm going to give my half mark to the V-Trigger, which is unequivocally the best transition move in all of wrestling, Okay. I don't care how many times Kenny Omega uses it. I pop for it. It looks, I, I like whenever guys are like leaning up on the ropes and he just runs and it just absolutely lays into them with his knee, gets a good knee slap. Sounds great. I love it. Uh, and it always, um, it just always sets up the one winged angel super well. Cause like 
he hits them with it so hard that he makes them stand up and like can pick them up on his shoulders. So half mark to the V trigger. I'm giving my one mark to barrels because barrels are cool. Uh, and like, and like obviously the barrel spot in this match was awesome, but you guys remember the Darby Allen barrel spot, right? Of course. Yes. I knew you were going to mention this <laughs> coffin drop with the barrel. You coffin drop with the barrel, like barrels. I've seen a barrel now in two matches in wrestling and it's been super cool both times. That's all I'm saying. I'm two, two, two for two on cool barrel spots. Give me a third one, please. Uh, then my two marks, it's going to go to the elite. They put this together. This was their baby. You know, it was Cody and the, in the Bucks. Uh, I'm sure Kenny to a lesser extent. They deserve all of the credit in the world for putting together unequivocally one of the most important wrestling pay-per-views of all time not to mention one of the best i mean i had a great time watching the whole thing it just encapsulated indie wrestling in 2018 so well and for that we have the elite to thank so cody young bucks kenny everybody involved with the elite two marks goes to you yeah 100 percent. obviously at the time we didn't know that it was going to lead to yeah. AEW. We, we didn't know that it was going to turn into a, a promotion eventually. But at the time, it very much felt like, to borrow a, a, a term from John Moxley, a paradigm-shifting moment in wrestling, where it became obvious that like, yeah, like there is the kind of talent and intrigue for an alternative. Like, and a big stage one, like a big money type one with good production values and all that stuff. Like, this could work, maybe. And it has. And it changed wrestling forever. So All it took was Cody, the Young Bucks, and then the backing of a million a billionaire's son. Yes. Go Jaguars, baby. Duval. Did Tony could did Tony Khan finance all in? I didn't even think to look into to- that. Tony no, and his think- son did. I think no. uh, Tony was mentioned in it, I'm pretty sure. Was he? I didn't think that Tony was I didn't think he was. That. Uh, I, I didn't. I didn't think that Tony was involved. I'm, I'm pretty sure that the elite financed the whole thing. I'm pretty confident. I remember hearing that. Because I think they either way, set it up. They set it up with the. Oh no! So like, Tony Khan. Tony Khan just helped out with like AEW. This was done exclusively by the uh, Cody and the Young Bucks. Okay. Yes, Tony Khan and his dad, who owns the uh, the Jaguars. They they set that. Like I think they got linked up after All In, and then they did the whole thing. But this was just them on their own. They put that together. And they had the help of like, I think they, I think they had some like some like practical help from like the people at Ring of Honor and whatever. But yeah, this was the elite. So uh, my two and a half marks, my half mark goes to Jake. Had his on the V trigger. Mine goes to the one winged angel. Okay, the move that it so often sets up the best finisher in wrestling. It's a safe move, but it always looks like it kills you. And. The one of the spookiest moments in the history of wrestling, one of the most violent things I've ever seen. Kenny Omega hitting the one winged angel, say Okada off the uh, ring apron through a table to the outside in the lead up to their first uh, Wrestle Kingdom match, which just looked insane. And I think about it all the time. One of the spots, actually, no, I would say this is the spot that got me into uh, New Japan because you were like, dude, you got to go watch this. And I did, and I haven't looked back. Yes, 100%. It's, po- it's poetic that Jake had V-Trigger followed up by David having the one-wing angel. <laughs> That's, That's poetry I've ever heard of. It. Yes, 100%. My uh, one mark goes to Tiger Hattori. 
who recently retired from uh, from pro wrestling. He was like one of the original New Japan referees. He was there for decades and decades. He is a legend, and he got a big pop, which I thought was really nice to see. He's one of those guys that, by all counts, is just a super beloved guy in the industry. And, you know, it, it, was, it was cool to see him at the show, especially knowing that he, not, that, not very long afterwards, I mean, maybe about a year or so later, he retired from wrestling. He was, I mean, I actually might have been a little longer than that. It was earlier this year, maybe. But, you know, he didn't have much longer left, but it was cool to see him get this moment where he gets a big uh, round of applause from the fans who know who he is because they're all a bunch of just diehard freaks like us who know the New Japan referees. <laughs> and my two marks goes to none other than the cleaner, Kenny Omega. I'm doing two Kenny Omega-related ones Ooh. because really just, like I said, the utter majesty of 2018 Kenny Omega. I, I really, I watched this match... Then I go back and I start thinking about some of the other matches he had throughout that G1 and the series with Okada, some of the greatest matches of all time. And 2018 Kenny Omega, that version of Kenny, is really quite possibly the greatest wrestler I've ever seen and one of the greatest wrestlers of all time. He just hit on everything. He had It was a total package. He was absolutely unreal. And he's been great in AEW, don't get me wrong. But this version of Kenny just felt like a different level from every other wrestler. And that's why he gets my two marks. So that'll wrap things up. That'll finish our coverage of All In 2018. And so this is where we'd hit the randomizer. But if you are a loyal listener to this podcast, you'll realize that we did that a few weeks ago before we did All In. And the randomizer came up on something I'm excited to watch. NWA WCW Starcade. 1988 from Norfolk, Virginia, very close by where I'm going to be moving next month, Virginia Beach. And a main event for the NWA World Championship, Ric Flair and Lex Luger. Jim Crockett Promotions at its best, baby. It's going to be really exciting. We also get a Road Warriors match, if I remember correctly. Yes. The Road Warriors taking on... Sting and Dusty Rhodes for the NWA World Tag Team oh, Championship. Man, that match is like, going to slap. It does not get much better than that. I mean, talk about the star power in those in that match. Insane. So Sting, Dusty, as always, we're going to go insane about Dusty because every single time we have Dusty relate like anything Dusty related content on our show, we always end up speaking for like a half hour about how much we love Dusty Rhodes and how great he is. And you know he's going to get marks from me because I'm legally obligated to do so. It's he in his is, contract. He's Dusty. <laughs> but yeah, so that's our show next week. Uh, Starcade 1988. And until then, I'm David Statman. And for my friends Jake Long and Angelo and Glisa, another episode Two and a half marks in the books, everybody. Thanks for listening.